0: You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Principle versus Expediency. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to today's programme. Today I want to share with you about following principles versus doing what is expedient. It's a big issue and it's one that needs to be examined. But first, a true story. At one stage of my life, his life, my brother worked as a salesman for a confectionery company. He sold sweets, lollies, candy, chocolate and so on to delicatessens and other shops. As a salesman, he was very successful, and I was surprised when he told me that the best sales areas were the poorer suburbs. He sold the least in relatively wealthy suburbs. There was a distinct pattern. People with less money ate more sweets and possibly more junk food whereas those with more money ate less sweets. Everything was going fine, and then there was a change. The company my brother worked for was taken over by Rothmans, a tobacco company, and this caused an ethical dilemma. My brother, who was a non-smoker, was well aware of the dangers of smoking tobacco, He now recognised that the profits made by the company that had been taken over would forthwith go into the tobacco company, making it more profitable. So my brother had to weigh up the situation. Should he continue his profitable sales job and contribute to the profits of the tobacco company and thus be directly responsible by helping ruin the lives of smokers or should he leave? In other words, should he act according to his principles or should he close his eyes to the reality of destroying the health of smokers in order to keep his job? You might think he had a hard decision to make. In reality, it was easy. My brother was true to his conscience and his principles, so he quit his lucrative job and joined another company that was committed to health improvement instead of health destruction. Had he chosen to continue in the first company, I'm fairly certain he would have been an unhappy man because every day he would have to face the reality that he was doing the wrong thing. He would have to subdue his conscience and live feeling divided in knowing what he should do and not doing it. It's my opinion that there are many in our society today who know what is right and for various reasons avoid doing it. Possibly denying their consciences is one of the reasons why so many people have mental health problems. In fairly similar circumstances, I've heard of people who have applied for a certain job and told their potential employer that they could not work on Saturday because that was God's Sabbath and that they needed to refrain from working on that day. In some cases, they were not hired but in other cases the new bosses could see that such applicants were persons of principle and could be trusted. If those people were prepared to sacrifice a good-paying job in order to honour their Creator, they must be worthy people. Such a man was Daniel. Daniel was an Israelite. He was true to God, and even though he was captured and taken prisoner to Babylon, he resolved with three friends to be true to principle no matter what. They resolved to be morally pure and to practice healthful living. God blessed Daniel, and he, because of his high moral standards and because of his close relationship with God, quickly rose through the ranks and one was was one of the most important men in the babylonian empire babylon was overthrown in 538 bc by the armies from the, from medo persia and darius was king at that time darius re- recognized daniel as a valuable man in his new kingdom and he was promoted to be one of three statesman administrator overseers of the 120 provinces that Darius set up within his kingdom. Daniel was the king's favourite, and because of his exceptional qualities, the king was planning to appoint Daniel as the chief overseer of the whole kingdom. And you can read all about this in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. The other two overseers became jealous and connived and plotted to try to find a means of discrediting Daniel so that he would fall out of favour with the king. And I'll read to you from Daniel, chapter 6, verse 4. The Bible says, At this... The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. The men then said to themselves, and this is my paraphrase, well, we can't get him that way, so the only thing is we must get him in regard to his religion. So they hatched up a plan that would flatter the king in order to get him to sign a new law, preventing anyone in the kingdom who prayed to any god or man except the king. In effect, this at least for the one month stipulated, would elevate the king to a God status. You see, these jealous men knew Daniel would pray to the true God three times a day, in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. Well, they had an audience with the king, who was indeed flattered and signed the new law which had already been prepared by the conspirators. The king was told by the conspirators that this new law was a means of testing the loyalty of all the subjects in the Medo-Persian kingdom. You may have heard the expression, Law of the Medes and Persians. Back then, when a law was passed and approved and signed by the king, It was impossible to be revoked or altered under any circumstances. The new law had a punishment clause. Anyone violating the law was to be thrown into the den of lions, and that would mean immediate death. So the law went into effect, and the conspirators set a close watch on Daniel's house to see what he would do. Before, we, before going on, I want to ask what possible things might Daniel have done? Well, firstly, he could have secretly prayed to God in an inner room of his house and nobody would have been any wiser. Secondly, he could have ceased praying for the month that the law was in force. Thirdly, he could continue as before and risk the consequences. Daniel, although he knew the dastardly plan of the conspirators, continued to put his trust in God and chose to continue praying to the true God. Not only that, but he prayed in an upper room of his house with the window wide open where everyone could see. You see, Daniel had no wish to discontinue his relationship with God, and he was not prepared to break any of God's commandments, especially in this case, the first one, which says, You shall have no other gods before me. And that's from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 3. Exodus, chapter 20, has all ten of God's commandments to mankind make sure you read them from an unbiased Bible such as the King James or New King James Version or the New International Version or most others. Be wary about using a Catholic version as they've removed the second commandment altogether and made the tenth one into two. In my opinion, what they have done is extreme dishonesty. In reality, in those Bibles, there are only nine commandments. Incidentally, the Ten Commandments are just that, and not suggestions, as some theologians try to present. Well, at midday, Daniel went home for his lunch break, opened the windows on the upper floor of his house, and prayed to God. Sneaky eyes were watching him from below. And very soon afterwards, the conspirators went and reported what Daniel had done to the king. At that stage, King Darius realized what the new law was about. It was a cunning, underhanded trick to get rid of Daniel. And he, the king, had fallen for it. Nevertheless, although reminded by the conspirators, the king recognised that the law was the law and must stand. Now, let me explain about the lion's den. Basically, it was like a large underground cavern with a vertical shaft from the top. If thrown into the den, there was no possible means of escape. That evening, Daniel was taken and thrown into the den. A large flat stone was laid across the top of the vertical shaft and wax or plaster was put down around and probably over it and it was impressed with the king's signet ring. In other words, the king got his ring, pushed it into the soft wax or plaster, showing that this um was authorized by him and that if it was uh, the seal was broken that they would know that somebody had done it. So not only was Daniel unable to escape, but in another way he was protected from anyone wanting to spear or shoot him from the top. That night the king was troubled. He couldn't eat or sleep, worrying about his faithful, trusted public servant, Daniel. I'm going to continue the story straight after the break.
1: Thou art the E Fill them till all shall see
0: So there was Daniel, lowered into the lion's den, a cover put over the top, and that night the king, realizing his own foolishness, could not sleep, concerned that his faithful servant Daniel might be killed. But he had hope, and at the first light of the morning the king hurried down to the lion's den and probably with an uncertain and anguished voice called out and this is from Daniel 6 verse 20 Daniel, servant of the living God has your God whom you serve continually been able to save you from the lions? and verse 21 follows this up Daniel answered O king, live forever My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. Well, Daniel's loyalty to God never negated his loyalty to the king, and Darius knew it. Daniel was a man of principle, and was willing to die rather than compromise the truth. In almost no time, the stone was removed. A rope lowered, and strong men pulled Daniel up into the open air. It wasn't even a scratch on him. The king was delighted that God had protected faithful Daniel, but he was angry with the conspirators for having planned and executed such an underhanded dirty trick. So he ordered them rounded up and brought to the lion's den and they with their families were thrown to the lions. The Bible says, and before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Those conspirators were also in positions of trust they were expected to be people of honesty and of high principles yet they betrayed themselves because they were jealous of daniel the world needs people who put principle before expediency i'm going to repeat that because i think it's very important the world needs people who put principle before expediency. And that means the world needs more people like Daniel. At this point, I want to ask you to do a self-assessment. Do you put principle before expediency? Do you do what is right because it is right? Or do you bend the rules for your own benefit? Are you honest and faithful to God, to your boss, to your employees, your spouse, your partner, your children, and yourself? Do you tell the truth, or are you someone who is sometimes prepared to tell lies, including those little white lies, instead of being straightforward? God wants people Of principle. A little earlier, I mentioned what the Catholics have done to God's Ten Commandments. Because they have images, icons, and pictures in their churches, the Second Commandment confronts them. So, instead of conforming to what God wants, they appease their consciences by removing that commandment, fooling themselves that it wasn't there, or that it's not important. But that's not all. The fourth commandment about the seventh day of the week as the Sabbath has been pruned so as to be almost meaningless. But there's even more. The majority of Protestants have taught that the commandments were abolished at the crucifixion of Jesus. And many beautiful Protestant people have believed that lie. In effect, they believe that there is no compulsion to keep God's law. Although, there is mainly only one of those laws that they would choose to avoid, and that's the fourth one. (laughs) But there's even more. Many people know that God's moral law is permanent. It stands forever yet they do not commit themselves to following its principles. I find this a real cop-out. Those people know what is right, yet they fail to do what is right. For them, expediency comes before principle. I'm glad God has not appointed me to judge such people because I'd probably accuse them of being fakes, professing to love the Lord yet failing to do what he wants. If any of you listeners are in a position of influence, which is probably a position of trust such as a minister, you have a solemn responsibility to those under your care to be a person of integrity, a person of principle, When you share with people, you need to be sure you're presenting truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What you teach must be in conformity with the Bible, and you must not try to dodge or hide from truth that you may not like. Throughout history, there have been people of principle who, for me, have been role models. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, names some of those. Joseph was one of them. He was faced with many temptations, yet he purposed in his heart to remain true to God and true to his principles. As a result of that, God blessed him, and he became the second most powerful person in Egypt. At the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews is this summary about some of these people. I'm going to read from verse 36. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yes, moreover in bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in half, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted and tormented. The question is, why did they allow themselves to be treated so badly when they could have easily avoided all that trouble? The simple answer is that these were people of integrity. They were people of principle and were unwilling to sacrifice their consciences for the sake of expediency. In relatively recent times, one of the most outstanding people is sometimes referred to as Tank Man. His picture has been shown many times on television screens around the world. In Tiananmen Square in China... He stood in front of a tank sent in with other armoured vehicles and troops to quell a demonstration in Beijing in China. The rally was to support and encourage democracy in communist China. Tank man was a man of principle. He believed in democratic government and was prepared to put his life on the line rather than accept the type of government the Chinese people were forced to live under. Do you know what is right? If you are a person of principle, then you will do what is right. You will be a Daniel, a tank man. Following the majority is easy. Following principle is not so easy and not so popular. I urge you, dear listeners, to be people of principle. I urge you, if you know truth and you know what is right, to do it, because in doing so you will have chosen the path in life that leads to eternal life. Well, that's it for today. I hope you'll join me next time for more from God's Word, the Bible. And I hope too that you give serious consideration to what I've shared with you today.